We're Missio Phoenix, a community of God's people learning to live in God's ways for the sake of our city. It's actually a letter more than a book. And so go ahead and turn there right now. Second Thessalonians, we're in chapter two. We're gonna pick up in verse 13. And we're actually going to read from verse 13 of chapter two through verse five of chapter three. I know that's weird. It seems like you should stop at the end of the chapter, right? But when Paul wrote this letter, it wasn't written as a book with chapters. It was broken up like this much later. And so this is a flowing letter. In fact, what we ought to do sometime is just get together and read through the whole letter. Just listen to someone read it out loud because that's exactly how the Thessalonian church would have heard this. Someone would have come with the letter and the, the small group of believers there, probably not any bigger than us in this city, in a house, it was a house church, would have listened to somebody read this letter out loud because many of them couldn't read themselves. And so it's, it's a long flowing letter. So we're gonna kind of transition from chapter two to chapter three this week. There's really three main themes that Paul has and wants to write about in this letter. If you remember chap, uh, the first letter, First Thessalonians that we preached through in 2019, Paul had three main themes in that too. He said, faith, love, and hope. I wanna encourage you for your faith, your love, and your hope. And I want to encourage you to continue to grow in those. Second letter, he writes back to them. He goes, hey, your guys' faith and your love is awesome. I'm telling churches about it everywhere. But you're struggling to hold on to hope because you're under persecution, because you're being oppressed, because the church and the gospel message is being attacked, because other people are coming in pretending to be part of us and spreading lies about when Jesus would return. And so this whole letter has three themes, and it's, hey, you have been persecuted, but God's judgment will come. That was chapter one. The first part of chapter two, which we did last week was, listen, the Lord is still coming back. I know people are telling you he's already come, but he hasn't yet. You won't miss it. You can't miss it because when he comes back, what he's doing is he's completely doing away with this broken world and restoring it and rebuilding it, renewing it, making it whole again. And so everything you know will change. You won't miss it. And don't worry, because if you are with Jesus, if you're in Christ, you will be there in the renewal of all things. So part one, judgment's coming. Part two, salvation's coming for those of you who are in Jesus. And then the next part is, so get to work. What does that mean for you right now until Jesus returns? It means you actually got a job to do. Don't sit there idle. But that's next week. We're gonna get to like the third section of that next week. And this is kind of, we see this as like a bridge between those thoughts. Jesus is coming back. We got work to do. Here's this kind of bridge in between where Paul's transitioning from those two thoughts, okay? So join with me in reading. I'm reading out of the CSB version. I recommend you read out of multiple versions uh, because you can get a greater understanding of what the original language was that way. So read along whatever, whatever translation you have. 2 Thessalonians chapter 2, starting in verse 13. Paul wrote about how in verse 12, there are going to be those who don't believe and they are blinded. He says in verse 13, but we ought to thank God always for you, brothers and sisters, loved by the Lord, because from the beginning, God has chosen you for salvation 
through sanctification by the Spirit, and through belief in the truth. He called you to this through our gospel, so that you might obtain the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. So then, brothers and sisters, stand firm and hold to the traditions you were taught, whether by what we said or what we wrote. May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who has loved us and given us eternal encouragement and good hope by grace, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good work and word. Chapter three starts, in addition, brothers and sisters, pray for us that the word of the Lord may spread rapidly and be honored just as it was with you and that we may be delivered from wicked and evil people for not all have faith, but the Lord is faithful. He will strengthen and guard you from the evil one. We have confidence in the Lord about you that you are doing and will continue to do what we command. May the Lord direct your hearts to God's love in Christ's endurance. Pray with me. Father, we ask that you would direct our hearts to your love and the work of Christ, that as we reflect on this letter, that your spirit inspired Paul to write to a church across the other side of the world thousands of years ago, God, that your spirit would be speaking to us through it today. Not only that we would come away with some information, but that you would use that word to transform our hearts, to renew our minds, to do something within us that brings us closer to you and makes us look more and more like your son, Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right. So Paul's saying, listen, Jesus is coming back. Everything's going to be made right one day. It hasn't happened yet, though. And he's starting to move into, so we have a job to do. But before he gets there, he's reminding them once again about the message they received, about the good news of the gospel. And he talks about it in like a tenses, and in a way that God saves you. Do you know anything by tenses? Like there's past tense, there's future tense, there's present tense. And he talks about it in a way that God has already saved you. And, and that God will come one day and fully save you. And that right now, God is at work saving you. So let me explain a little bit what I mean. I want to share my screen here. Paul starts off with this idea in verse 13. He says, God has chosen you for salvation. So you have been saved from your sin, Right? That's already happened. This is something that a lot of really smart people and theologians like to call justification. Kids in the room, can you say justification? Yeah, don't worry. There's not going to be a quiz on it, but good job saying it. Justification, it just simply means that you are no longer guilty of the ways that you have rebelled against God. All right, we, remember we have our symbols up here to remind us of the story from creation when God comes down and he actually walks on the earth to restoration when Jesus is coming back again. And that second scene, that X, is that we rebelled against God. God came down and, and he wanted to partner with us in his world. He made a perfect world and called us to partner with him.